Well, good morning, good day, God bless you. Welcome back again to the Bible teaching ministry of A Love Outreach. We are going to go ahead and take another look at one of the books of uh, chapters of 1 Corinthians again. So if you're in a position where you can do so, I invite you to go ahead and grab your Bible and open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Yesterday, I went ahead and recorded um, some short teachings on the first three chapters. Today, we're going to go ahead and make our way through chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul is continuing on with teaching the believers in the city of Corinth and uh, counseling them, instructing them, in some ways rebuking them, encouraging them, exhorting them. These are some of the things that uh, I hope to do with this channel is really, and, and really to address that real quickly here, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, if you've come upon this, um, we call this a love outreach. I call this ministry a love outreach because I believe that the greatest outreach of love that ever took place in the history of all mankind was that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And to you, it's quite possible that you are in a position in your life where what I just said and what I am saying means absolutely nothing to you. And I completely get that. I completely understand. I seriously do. Excuse me, because I've been there myself. Been there and done that the first 21 years of my life. And, uh, you know, didn't really care at all about any of this kind of thing. But 1986, at the age of 21 years old, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. 36 years later, still serving him, still doing what I'm doing in living my life for him, still growing in him. That's important. And that's what I also understand about anyone that listens to uh, any of the teachings that I'll ever do. Um, is that we are all just growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. And, uh, but, you know, there is exhortation. There is um, instruction in the word of God. And uh, so that's why I do what I do to bring that out there before you to maybe help you along in your walk with the Lord or to point you to a walk with the Lord in the first place. So all that being said, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse one, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So again, Paul has been deflecting attention away from himself because what was taking place um, in the church that was in Corinth, the believers, the body of believers there, what was happening was is they were dividing themselves up. And again, it's so sad. We have it in modern day society, don't we? All these different Christian religions, all these different denominations and all these different de non-denominations and such, you know, and here they were saying, you know, well, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. And Paul was, you know, pointing them away from that and saying, hey, come on, it's not the way to be thinking. It's not the way to be living. That's, that's a, not a spiritual way to be thinking. That's a carnal way to be thinking is what he was telling them. You know, and to be now, let me just explain that briefly here. Spiritually minded, carnally minded, two different things. 
The spiritually minded person is the person filled with the Spirit. They are the person filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. That is that person that is living uh, in accordance with the Word, in obedience to the Word of God, the written Word of God. That is the person that has the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, which I've mentioned in these previous teachings that I did yesterday, the first three chapters. If you didn't get a chance, I really invite you to go back and and, uh, listen to those or watch those, whichever the case may be. But uh, the, the person that is spiritually minded is that person that has love operating in their life, um, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control, right? Temperance, right? This is the person that is truly led by the spirit, the spiritually minded person. And look, these Christians had to be corrected because they were dividing up and they were picking teachers and they were picking, kind of making their own denominations, the denomination of Paul, the, the denomination of Peter, you know, and we have that today, don't we? We have churches that are named after these, these men, but these men said, hey, look, that's like we see here in verse one of chapter four, just consider us as servants. We're just servants of Christ. And that's what you and I are. If you've given your life to Christ, you're just a servant of Christ, a subject in the kingdom of God, he's the king, and we're just his servants. And he says, moreover, it is required in stewards that one uh, be found faithful. So if you are, if you do consider yourself a servant of Jesus Christ, then you and I both, we need to be faithful in how we live unto the Lord, right? But he, but Paul goes on and says this in verse three. He says, but with me, it's, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court, in fact, in fact, I do not even judge myself, he said. What's he saying here? Well, watch, watch as we read on. He says, for I know nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. And uh, here's a key verse. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts then each one's praise will come from God. You see, that's what matters is what's it gonna be like when we stand before the Lord who actually sees our heart, you know, who actually knows the hidden things, the hidden things of darkness, you know? So whether I, Paul's saying, whether I justify myself or I'm uh, justified by someone else or someone judges me for the way I am, what's it matter? Because in the end, all that's going to really matter is, is when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and we're before him and he's going to judge us. And he sees as we don't see. You know, man sees the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Okay, so he says, you know, now these things, brethren, in verse six, I've, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake. And in other words, everything we've been reading about in the first three chapters, he's been using himself and Apollos and even Cephas, Peter as an example and such. And, and uh, you know, he, he's saying, I'm trying to teach you something here. You know, he said that, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. That's the key folks right there. Look, I, I come online like this and, do a teaching like this. And uh, if you can't pick up your Bible yourself or listen to listen to the Bible, whichever the case may be, however you come about it, 
right, and find it in there, then it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. No one matters. So that's what you got to be careful about too when you're out there saying, well, I am of this denomination. I am of that denomination. Oh, this is my pastor. Oh, that is my pastor. This is my teacher. That is my teacher and all of that, right? You want your praise to come from God and you want your focus to be on Jesus Christ and you want it to be all about what is written, okay? And it was only people like these apostles that Jesus chose himself, that wrote down what we have in in our Bibles, they're the only ones that he, you know, um, approved of to do this, to write this stuff down. So in, in that sense, yeah, hey, Paul's a great guy here because the Lord chose him to write this stuff down. Um, but he knew the truth about who he was. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. He knew the truth about who he was. He wouldn't like it today if, if he knew, and, and I don't mean to offend any of you out there when I say this, so uh, please forgive me in advance, but you know, if you got a church called St. Paul, blah, 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 church, whatever it may be, Paul wouldn't have liked that. Neither would have Peter. Neither would Peter like if, if anyone was lifting him up. I don't know if you read the story in, in Acts chapter 10, where he went to the house of Cornelius. They bowed down before him. He said, get up. I'm a man. We don't bow to any men. We don't pray to the saints. We don't bow down before them, things like that. It's Christ and Christ alone. Jesus is the head of the body. If you're a, if you're a born again Christian, you are a part of the body of Christ, then Jesus is your head, the only head. Okay, the only head, the only one we, we pray to, the only one we worship, the only one we bow down to. That's it, okay? So Paul's teaching them this here, and he's saying, hey, I've taught you this. I figuratively, you know, talking about me and Apollos here. Just telling you, man, don't go, don't go beyond what's written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. You see, because if you lift up someone else, and in your eyes, you think they're great for what they do uh, as a pastor, teacher, whatever, religious figure, leader, you know, you put your titles on it. Again, I'm trying not to offend any certain religions out there. But, um, you know, you lift that up, then people become puffed up. That's why we see so many pastors fall, right? They think of themselves more highly than they ought. They don't think of themselves soberly, you know. Um, so anyway, let's see what we got here. Reading on verse seven, for who makes you differ from another. And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So again, he's talking about someone that thinks there's something special. You know, again, hey, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I'm of this religion. Well, I'm of that religion. Well, my religion is the church. No, my religion is the church. You know, it's all a bunch of puffed up junk is all it is, right? He goes on, look, and, and keep keep within... Keep within the theme here of how Paul's speaking because he goes, you are already full. So he's kind of saying this in a way like, hey, no, you're not. But he's saying, you are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign. In other words, you don't. In other words, you ain't full. <laughs> you're not rich. You're not all that you think you are. 
So I wish you were, then I would reign with you, you know, that we also might reign with you. He says, you know, this brings to mind, um, what is it, Revelation? Hold on here. Revelation 3. Uh, Revelation three sixteen. Jesus speaking says, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, he says. But here's the verse that came to my mind. Verse 17, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. So that's where the Apostle Paul's attitude was, right? He was a wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. He understood who he was. And he's telling these Corinthians here, man, they've got the wrong attitude in thinking that they're rich, right? Thinking that they've arrived, thinking that they're full. And, you know, unfortunately, we see that today, don't we, in in certain uh religion type, I don't know what to call it, but you know, these doctrines out there of, you know, the name it and claim it type stuff, you know, I'm wealthy, I have all I need, I've got my best life now, I've got all this, I've got all that, you know, no, we are wretched, we are miserable, we are poor, we are naked, we are blind, we need Jesus, we need Jesus, we need Christ in us, our hope of glory, right? Paul goes on in verse nine to say, for I think God has displayed us as the apostles last as men condemned to death for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men, he says there in verse nine. He says, verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are you are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor. See, Paul didn't know anything about, I mean, he wasn't smart enough to know about the name it and claim it type doctrine, I guess, right? I don't know. But he says, um, and we labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure. You know, when he says there, we working with our own hands. He was working. He was out. He had a job. He had something he was doing. He was a tent maker. He wasn't mooching money off of people. And he encourages believers to do the same thing. Okay, being defamed, verse 13, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scouring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. So Paul cared so deeply for the believers here in the church. And he's saying, look, I'm warning you guys, you're behaving the wrong way. You're thinking the wrong way. You're doing the wrong things. It's, it's not about you being puffed up. It's not about you being lifted up. I, I think about so many people today that use the scripture, for example, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And then they use that 
in trying to make a successful business or they use that in trying to be the most successful athlete or whatever the case may be, right? When they don't even read that in its context, what Paul's talking about. When we, when we read the word like this, when we read the word of God, the way I'm teaching it here, we're seeing it in its context. We're seeing it for what it really is. Paul's warning these people, stop thinking this way. It's not about you being lifted up. It's about Jesus being lifted up. You see, when we lift up the name of Jesus in this world and we are salt and light in this world and we're, we're pointing people to him, people are getting saved. The most important thing that matters, again, the greatest love outreach of all was God so loved the world. That's, that's his desire. He's not willing that any should perish. And if you've come upon this and somehow you've, you've stuck with this teaching thus far, God's calling you to repent and to come unto Jesus. I want to read on here, verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So Paul was a man that had a role in these people's lives. He shared the gospel with them. You know, maybe you have a person in, in your life that shared the gospel with you, and they're a good example of someone that actually lives it and actually walks the walk. They, they, they walk by faith and not by sight. You need to honor that person in your life, whoever it may be. Maybe it was your parent that trained you up in the Lord. Maybe you're somebody that you've always walked with the Lord in your life. You've always known about that relationship. Sure, we all stumble, we all fall, but maybe, maybe you're somebody that's just been raised up, quote, in the church, right? And uh, you've got a parent that, that pointed you along that way. You know, you need to honor that person. And Paul's saying, yeah, there's a lot of instructors out there, a lot of people doing this, but pay attention to what I'm telling you because God was using Paul specifically in that person's life, in those people's lives, the, these people of the city of Cornwall, the church, right? And he says, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Wow, that's, that's a pretty bold statement for Paul to make, imitate me. If he wants them to imitate him, he must be pretty assured of the way he's living, right? And he says, this, for this reason, I have sent Timothy to you. In other words, I'm sending Timothy to you to tell you how to imitate me, right? He says, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ. Again, Paul's saying, look at me. As I teach everywhere in every church, he says, okay? So he's saying, think about all that we just read. He's saying, look, I'm not rich. I got to work for a living. You know, I've not arrived. I'm not puffed up. I've been beaten. It seems like the world hates me. It seems like I'm in last place. Hey, imitate me. Isn't that so opposite of what we see today being taught from the pulpits in many cases? You know, all oh, be the top. You're the best. You're the greatest. Have your best life now. It's total opposite. Paul's saying, no, look at my life and then be like me. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And then he goes on. He's dealing with them with something else here in verse 18. Now some are puffed up as though I, I were not coming to you. Right? He's saying, okay, look, I'm sending Timothy. You guys are all getting huffy and puffy about the fact that I'm not coming. But he says in verse 19, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. There's the key, right? 
if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. In other words, he said, this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to be living by the power of God. And Paul is the same one who said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Right? And we need to remember that God has chosen the weak things like we study, the base things. Right? That, that's, that's how God, that's what God is looking for, that broken and contrite heart, that humble person. And he says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Think about that today. Again, so many people say, oh, it's, it's a matter of what you speak, what you say. Uh, they say, what do they say? Uh, speak it into existence, you know, and a lot of people buy this stuff, man. Sounds so good, right? It sounds so much better than, than humble yourself. Be base, be, be low, think lowly, be meek, right? Sounds so much better to say, yeah, be loud and proud, right? Speak it into existence. Have all you want. Grow rich, you know, all of that, right? But Paul's saying, that's not the way I live, right? What do you want? In verse 21, he says, what do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of gentleness? In other words, he's rebuking these people. Like I said, this is what the word of God does to us, folks. It, it can rebuke us. It can reprove us. And Paul was rebuking these people here and saying, hey, you know, if you want, I can come to you and, and I can, you know, hit you between the eyes really hard to straighten you out here. But I'd much rather see you be straightened out. That's why I've sent Timothy here. So you can, he can remind you of my ways that you should be living a meek life, a humble life, right? Not loud and proud not you know, trying to rise to the top yourself, not trying to have this, have that. These are the things that, that, that destroy people. You know, seeking after riches, seeking after fame, seeking after money, seeking after prosperity. This pierces your heart through with many sorrows. It's not the life that the, that, that the Bible, the God of the Bible is calling us to folks. He's calling us to fix our eyes on the Lord and trust in him. So we'll go ahead and uh, I'll stop this here. Um, I might go ahead and do the next chapter here in just a little while. But um, if you come upon this teaching, uh, once again, I'd like to offer to you that you reach out to us. Go to our website, aloveoutreach.com. Fill out the contact form on that website. And uh, if we can pray for you or help you spiritually in any way, we'd love to do so. So God bless. And until next time, have a great day.